So he bought bottling factories. He bought ice making plants. He bought Timberland, coal mines, refrigeration companies. He bought railway railways. He bought a diesel company. He understood every part of that process. Inspired by the adventures of our nurses, therapists, and techs, A Beer with Atlas is the only healthcare-traveling, craft-beer-drinking podcast. Each week, we'll open a few beers, talk about the brewery and the style of beer, and then dive into some research curated specifically for each episode. In the end, we hope each one sounds like a conversation you'd have with your friends while enjoying a few cold ones. Welcome to Mainstream May and another episode of A Beer with Atlas. I'm Rich. I'm Brian. I'm Dolan. I wasn't excited for this in the beginning. Yeah. Right? I wasn't. But we have never done this beer. Arguably self-proclaimed the king of beers. It says it right on the label. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, they got a crown on the cap, for God's yep. sake. <laughs> Budweiser, the king of beers. Yeah, Budweiser. So, ooh, twist off. That's weird. First of all, know, twist off. Right. I'm not used to that. Okay, here's in the in the beginning. I I wasn't excited, and like I told you guys before we started doing this, I had four pages of research before I realized this is way too much. Yeah, there is so much history with Budweiser and Anheuser Busch that I I think again, like I do every single time, I fall in love with the story. Well, I mean, it's been around since 1876. Uh, Most of the places we talk about were like 2016. Exactly. So yeah, I guess there's yeah. going to be some history. This brewery started in 2015, and was, yeah. they did the first hazy IPA or whatever. Yep. Nope, nope, not at all. This is, I mean, it. I hate the town. <laughs> I hate the beer. I hate, I, but, but... You cannot deny what this beer means to American beer history and what not only, what only Augustus, was it Augustus? Yeah. I'm sorry. It's, um, where is he? Here we go. Adolphus Bush. Yeah. Adolphus Bush. And then before him, his father-in-law, Eberhard Anheuser. Oh. I've got a whole ton of research on this. Holy cow. What they did to, for, for American beer. An American brewing. So yeah, because it was. I mean, before these guys, probably it was very regional. Like your town had a brewery. Yes, you know, like Omaha had a few. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, and then this is one of those that showed up all the way across the country. So if you've never had a Budweiser before, I don't know how that's possible. I don't know. <laughs> that's yeah. Exactly. It's like if you've yeah. never heard Johnny Cash before. Right. Right. I mean, it's one of those things. It, it instantly sell, it smells sweet. Yep. It's it, it's the taste is very ex- exactly what you would expect. Yeah. This one we were the last episode we did, which was Cinco de Mayo, I think, talked about how there was corn, right? Yep. Yes. This is one of the things I first remember hearing that was rice, rice, so a rice beer, like yep. a Japanese beer or something. Hmm. And I was like, oh, that gives you a hangover. That's what mm. I was was always told. Interesting. Rice will give you a hangover. Hmm. Budweiser. <clears throat> I'm gonna go for it. It's, it's a crisp, lager. It's crisp. It's a lager. It's 
blind taste test, you don't tell me what this is, I'd be like, oh, I'd order this lager. Yeah. Oh, I've never liked this. Even really? in college, yeah, I, had, I always had a hard time. I guess, what's your, are you not a lager fan? It's, yeah, it's just the weird, I've never, I don't know. It's, I don't like it. It always tastes like, I don't. I don't want to say it, but cat piss, kind of. Shots fired. <laughs> See, this is the kind of stuff Rich and I grew up stealing from the fridge. Yes, there, there was no other choice. Yes, but this was never in my house because this was expensive. Oh, mm. my dad was not buying Budweiser. He might have bought Bud Light if it was on sale. Mm, okay. We're going Keystone. Yes. Or Bush Light. Yep. You know? Oh, my dad was a Michelob guy. Yeah. On payday. But yep. then otherwise he's ham schlitz. Oh, yeah. Uh, Maybe Olympia back in the day. Olympia, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't make that no more, hams, unfortunately. I guess is, yeah, hams. Hams is, hams is still good. PBR. Mm. I, see, PBR. And, and that might be my thing. Like, I yeah. am straight to the PBR all the time. Yeah. So. Hey, they won the blue ribbon. I, <laughs> one time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually still, on my beer fridge, I have two PBR blue ribbon magnets from my dad mm. that had we had it on as growing up like that he would I'd bring home artwork from like you know middle school or, or from elementary school and he would use the PBR magnet <laughs> to put it on the fridge nice right? like first place yeah right away cuz I don't hardly ever have this in my house no like maybe a six-pack a year and that's for people that come over maybe before this uh pandemic sure so i never really read the label but right on the side it says brewed with 100 percent renewable electricity from wind power that, i don't know if that's new hmm. i think that's new but i never knew that before nope that's a huge brewery i mean we're talking every probably what every state has like at least distribution center right. Probably. Oh, yes. I mean, how many... Is there like 13 places they brew it? I don't remember. I heard that somewhere once I think before. that's right. Yes. Something like mm-hmm. that. Some like regional mega breweries. I, this this is the famous Budweiser beer. So, they, I mean, they're just not even... They're just like, yep, we're the king. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Eat it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we know of no other brand produced by any other brewer which costs so much to brew and age... Our exclusive Beechwood aging process processes a taste, a smoothness, and a drinkability you will find in no other beer at any price. That is accurate. We're the king. Shut the hell up. That's right. Drink your beer. Drink your beer, <laughs> you drunk bastard. Or one or two more, too. Well, yeah. I, I, but here's the thing. They have been around forever. Yes. Forever. Yeah. I had a roommate that just downed these. Like this was watered in. Mm. I mean, I know some of those guys. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Jenny's uncle, only thing he drinks. I have tried to bring him other beers. Yep. Nope. It's straight diesel. I had an uncle that was that way too. Like he'd yep. show up, it was going to be some Budweiser's going down. Yep. <laughs> Give him credit. I mean, that's, we go to bars and he's like, diesel. Mm. And they bring him Budweiser. That's it. I mean, that's, that's what he does. That's who he is.
So looking at this label again, one of the things that pops out to me, and this would have been a great thing to research, which I did not research. Okay. It reminds me of bicycle playing cards. Yeah. The, the font. The AB right the in the middle AB, there. The yes. AB, the lines, the color. Like, that's what it reminds me of. So, you know, for future reference, maybe we'll do that somehow. But um, what I did, because I wanted to be like, all right, Beachwood. What's the process? Mm. So I did it. I did Fantastic. a little research. Good. So we're going to talk about it. No, it's not. Okay. They make it sound like it's some amazing, you know, thing that they do. Yeah. It's not really that exciting. Um, it is. Okay. But it's not like anybody else couldn't do it, too. It's not some secret um, alchemy or anything like that. So basically, here's what it is. So okay. I'm going to distill it down. <laughs> Distill it down <laughs> uh, so that we can understand, because a lot of it was science, and I'm, I, I don't, I don't do well with science. But let me re- read you my notes, and then I'll kind of summarize it if if we need to. But okay. it speeds up the lagering process because lagers can take a while to make, right? Okay, and it finishes the beer quickly. So already that's an advantage for a brewery that's selling to make money, of right? Course. Like pump it out as fast as possible. Yep. Uh, let's see. This process is designed to increase contact area between the yeast and the beer, which is what you want, right? Okay. So what they do is they take these long chunks or strips of beechwood, mm-hmm. and they treat it by putting baking soda on it. They rub all, like, <clears throat> dunk it in a tank of baking soda or whatever. They put it on there. Okay. Um, because that eliminates any flavor from the wood itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want to impart any flavor from this process. Okay. And then they just stack it in the tanks. There seemed to be a method to the madness. It looked like they weren't just shoveling it in. Okay. They kind of like hand stacked it in there. Okay. Um, then what they do is they add fresh wort to these mm-hmm. tanks, mm-hmm. which is called Krausen, K-R-U-S-E-N. Very That's German. That's the process. Yeah. has the umlaut above the U. Mm. And the yeast sticks to the wood instead of forming like a layer at the bottom of the tank. So normally what you'd see is it, it's in there, mm-hmm. and then it goes down to the bottom, and then kind of like silt, right? Right, right. Well, with these pieces of wood in there, the yeast is like, hey, cool, something to hang out on. Almost like a fish, fish habitat, like oh, in the lake. Okay, Like, yeah. okay, there's sticks and things here. We're going to hang out in this area. We've got protection. Yep. Well, that's what the yeast does. And because of that, it has more contact with the beer itself, the liquid, because it's not just at the bottom. It's all over in the tank, and it speeds up the process. So it does take time because like a normal beer, like you brew a beer, and you're done, right? right. They're brewing a beer, and then they're like, oh, hold on. Uh, put all this wood in here. Mm-hmm. Put in some more wort. And that's the like where they're talking about it ages, the beechwood aging. Yeah. Because it takes they have to let it sit in there for a little while. So it's like an extra step. Yeah. That they use, eventually it does help speed up the process, right. but you you know you do have to do the work itself. Sure, um, but that's in a nutshell what it is. So nobody else is doing that. I don't know how long that or how they figured that out, hmm. uh, but I guess it makes sense when you think about just putting stuff in there to have the yeast ad- adhere to. Have you done the tour in St. Louis? No, never okay. been. So I've done it at three times. Um, I, we, there in pre COVID days, we would go maybe once a year, 
we would have okay. a we we as part of Atlas we would do a, we would go take our travelers out. We had a ton of travelers in St. Louis. We still do. Uh, and one of the things is it because it, it's a good hour ish tour, tons of history, and then afterwards you get two free beers and you get to sit in the tap room and whatever else. I mean it's it's a lot of fun, but you actually get a hold of piece of Beechwood. Okay, at the when you get to that point, and it's interesting how the it's it's almost like a movie in a lot of ways when you get to that point and they give you the piece of Beechwood. It's cold in there, like it's really cold. It's refrigerated. Yeah. And it goes on forever. <laughs> there are just tanks for as long as you can see. Yeah, and they're just one. They're just loaded with beechwood and beer, and they tell you about the process. Like they, they, you get to hold it, you get to smell it, you get a like the whole thing. And they are like they're, they're like planks. They're like long planks. Do they reuse it? I don't know. Hmm. I, I assume during the tour they told us, but I don't. I don't recall well, it was that a beer part. tour. It's so, a beer tour. Know. Yeah, and that's the thing multiple times regardless of how i feel right before that stop you have a stop where you can try the beer right out of the right out of the tank or whatever mm-hmm. it's delicious mm. it's I'm like wow. way different than what than this yes is it warm no oh, no it's, it's cold, cold okay. and refreshing and mm. awesome and it changed my mind mm. for sure there so when i was doing this research I was reading this article, and they were basically saying, here's how they do it. Should you do it at home when you're home brewing? Okay. Is this the, the best way to make a lager? Mm-hmm. And they broke down, like, how you could do it at home. And the consensus was, no, don't do this. You don't need to. It's kind of for nothing. It imparts no flavor. It doesn't save you that much time, hmm. the end process. Um, it's more effort than it's worth. You can make a good lager without it. Interesting. So I don't know if that's because it, you know, at a homebrew level, we're talking five gallons maybe or ten on a double batch. Sure. Versus I was millions say, of gallons. I don't yeah. know, but uh, the consensus was if you're just going to make a lager, you don't need to do this process. Huh. But maybe that's why it stands out. I don't know. Maybe because people aren't doing that extra step. I found a little article before I came here today. So this is hot off the press. Okay. About, I was trying to figure out one more little thing to talk about mm-hmm. before my the meat of the research. Mm. So this was uh, a thing that the Association of National Advertisers did in 2019. Um, this was kind of in the height of Me Too movement. Okay. Right? So mm-hmm. this advertisers um, kind of group decided they wanted to do something to raise awareness and they called it See Her, so the See Her campaign. Okay. And what they did, uh, specifically this company, uh, Vayner Media Agency, <laughs> they took... You know who this is. Who? Gary, Gary V. Gary V. There Gary you Vaynerchuk, go. yeah. They took um, old print ads from Budweiser okay. and reimagined them oh. 50 years later. So I saw three images. One of them was... It was a woman who was just married. She's in a wedding dress. Mm-hmm. And there's a Budweiser beer in it, and it says something like, you know, you've married two men, right? You've married the man, and then you've married the inner man. And he loves Budweiser. What are oh. you going to do about it? Basically, something like that. Sure. Uh, the second one I saw was um, a man he's working on. looks like a clock or something. He's taking it apart. He's got a hammer. He's you know sweating a little. He's working hard, and his wife's bringing him 
nice tall Pilsner mm. glass of Budweiser. Delicious Budweiser. And then the third one was a man who's obviously just got off work, and he's come into the kitchen, and he's lifting the lid on the pot, and he's taking a whiff, and his wife's got a beer on a tray for him. Ah. These are late 50s, early 60s. Sure. You know, you'd see them in any magazine. Yep. Basically selling beer. So what they did was they, they flipped the script. They took the same basic images, and they switched them up. So the one with the guy opening the pot of uh, soup or whatever ends up being um, a woman who's come home from work and she's got like Chinese takeout and she's all alone and she's got a Budweiser in her hand. It's like, it's been a long day, treat myself, right? Ah. Second one, um, it was the guy with the hammer working on something. Um, Their reimagined version was um, these people have obviously just been moved into a house. So they're pretty tired. They're both husband and wife sitting on the floor. Uh, There's a pizza there's some Budweiser, <laughs> and the tools are on her side, so they're sitting next to her. So ah. she's in charge of whatever they were doing. Yep. And then the third one, um, the woman in the wedding dress, it was still a woman, but she was not in a wedding dress, but it was like girls' night instead of like a wedding reception or whatever. It was like, I'm out on the town. Mm-hmm. Me and my girls are here to have some, some brews. Um, so those ran... Um, there were three women that ran the campaign. So it was all mm-hmm. strictly female run. Um, and that was recent, like within a couple of years ago. So that was just my most recent little information that I had on that. So this was, I credit this with being my introduction to Gary Vee. It's the, it's the commercial that they did after the Cubs won the World Series in 2016. So Budweiser hired them. To, ended up winning commercial of the year, like like whatever they call it. It's the Webby Award for sure. you know best commercial of the year. It, it's the reason why I, I saw it the first time. It was shared through some Cubs groups on Facebook. Um, but then because I watched it, then I got hit with some targeted ads sure. from Gary Vee or whatever. And, and the one that kind of introduced the one about that I kind of clung to, you know, him talking about doing random acts of kindness and mm-hmm. understanding your customer and that type of thing. But the... What they did for what Budweiser did, what they Budweiser tasked them with doing is saying, "Okay, if the Cubs win the World Series, we need you to use Harry Carey's voice mm-hmm. announcing that the Cubs won the World Series." So they did a whole. It was probably two minutes, and it was fantastic. Yeah, like the first time, it's like you got tears. Like yeah. it was legit. Like it was real. Like it was Harry calling the end of the game. Yeah, and even still to this day, like it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, that was it. Like, this is what's on w- WGN. Like, this was a real thing. Mm-hmm. And they did a fantastic job. So I credit that with being the reason why I I, I found okay. Gary Vee in the first place. Cool. Yeah. That was a thing that I had thought about was, like, when I was trying to figure out my main research. Because I knew you were going to have some history stuff. Oh, yeah. But I wanted to go more recent history. Okay. So I was thinking, okay, what when I think about Budweiser, what do I... What comes into my mind? The first thing was Harry Carey. Yeah. And I was like, eh, that's baseball centric. I don't mm-hmm. want to maybe do that. Uh, what, what's something else? And that's where we're going at right now. Awesome. So we're going to go recent history, and then we'll have you give us the older history. The way back history. So this is um, late 80s, early 90s research. Okay. And we're going to learn about Spuds McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs> because that's when I was a kid. 11 years old, that thing was everywhere. He was everywhere. 
Could he? Spuds McKenzie. Here's the, this is Dolan's homework assignment right now. Mm-hmm. Find the old Spuds McKenzie song. Spuds McKenzie. True or false? I'm, I'm not even going to quiz you. Yeah. I'm just going to drop this on you. Was a girl. Spuds McKenzie was a girl. She yes. was a girl. And her name was Honey Tree Evil Eye. <laughs> no. Yes. And her owners called her Evie for short. She lived in Chicago. So a good, you know, Cubs tie-in oh, maybe. Well, there you go. Um, Did she, she live with, with the Carries maybe? I don't, I don't think so. No. Um. This was the ad campaign retired in 1989. So we're talking a three-year window, maybe, at most. Uh, There was a study that was done, like a survey, and Spuds McKenzie was one of the top 10 most famous people in the world in 1988. Yes. Like, people don't really understand how popular... Spuds McKenzie was off the charts, unbelievable yes. everywhere. Like there's not really anything to compare it to as far as advertising nowadays that I can think of because here's why Spuds McKenzie was on David Letterman <laughs> and got interviewed by David Letterman, right? There's 200 officially licensed products featuring Spuds McKenzie. Like, there were stuffed animals. There were swimming trunks. There was, um, koozies there was posters there was shirts there was everything 200 pieces that's a lot for a two-year period right um as any good discovery goes they were found by a modeling scout this dog was um, bred to be a show dog and in chicago um they went did the rounds of the dog shows Mm -hmm. and, and never placed never won anything really and they credit it because it had the spot on the eye. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly the reason where this scout, this advertising scout, was like, hey, this that's pretty memorable. We're doing this uh, poster here in Chicago for Budweiser, and we think your dog would be a, a good you know, f- subject. Right. So they put Spuds at that point, Evie, into a fraternity sweatshirt. It's got Greek emblems on it. Yes. And there's like a big, like a, how, what would you call it? Almost like the Stanley Cup, a chalice okay. of beer. And it's got like the ivy uh, things know, on its side of its head. On the head, yes. And that's, and they sell it. And it's like the second most popular poster of the year. Because <laughs> in the 80s, you had a poster in your room. Like yeah. my friend, we had that poster. Mm. My friend had that poster in his room, Daryl. I think it was his. Yeah. It was probably his brother's because he was older. But we had that in our house when we all moved in together when I was 21. We had a Spuds McKenzie poster on the wall 25 years after Spuds McKenzie. What was the number one poster? Alyssa Milano in the- Kathy uh, Ireland. Now- I think I, I wrote- For I, real? Yeah, I think uh, it was Kathy Ireland. To me, it was Alyssa Milano in the New Jersey Devils <laughs> hockey Milano, jersey. Pretty good, oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, this dog, Spuds, Evie, um, was very cat-like. So this dog liked to sit on your lap. It was very chill, very low-key, didn't bark. 
um, wasn't aggressive. It was like was some sort of terrier, hmm. pit bull terrier or something I like guess, that. Yeah. Um, and in the article I read said it loved to eat raisin checks. So like raisin bran. <laughs> so it was his treat. Give it to the dog and it would do nice. whatever you want, like a Scooby snack. Uh, the first time it was in a commercial was in Super Bowl 21, which would have been 88, I think. Okay. Bengals and 49ers. Oh, wow. Um, and then it was on that poster before that. So the poster did so well, they're like, let's put this dog in actual TV commercial yeah. when you can have TV commercials for beer. Sure. Um, Robin Leach did the vo- voiceover. <laughs> I so this. Lifetimes of the Rich and Famous. Yes. You know? um, I've read a bunch of like probably three or four articles about spuds and advertising and stuff like that. They said one of the reasons it worked was because they never referenced spuds as being a dog. It was always supposed to be a person. A person, yeah. <laughs> so there would be like these scantily clad the girls bikini girls. Yeah. They were called the spudettes. <laughs> and everybody just assumed that it was a person, except for us who were watching it. And they're like, well, that's obviously a dog. It's clearly a party a dog. animal. Right. Um, but yeah, to everybody in the universe, whatever, um, it's a person. It's a guy. So that's why they think it works so well. All right. Um, here's here's why it's per, this is pretty kind of blew my mind when I read this the stat. Bud Light wasn't hadn't been around that long, maybe six or seven years at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, their sales went up twenty percent in eighty seven <laughs> to eighty eight because of these <laughs> Spuds McKenzie ads and commercials. Wow, that's a lot. Oh. His title was senior party consultant. <laughs> <laughs> which I want on my email at Atlas. That's what I want my title to be. That's fine with me. Um, he also had this nickname. We'll see if you remember this one. Mm. The Ayatollah of Partiola. <laughs> I mean, that's 80s right there. Once again, why do other countries hate us? Yeah, Spuds McKenzie. Right there. Uh, <laughs> he threw out the first pitch in the NCLS. No, he did yeah, not. In no. 1988. Yeah. Oh, for crying The Dodgers. Out. Yeah. He threw oh. out the first pitch. Um, wait, wait, wait! Is this the uh, is this the Kirk Gibson? Yeah, that year. What? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was that goodness. series to get into the yeah, World yeah, yeah. Series, but yeah, yeah, he threw out the first pitch. Oh my goodness! It, this I I hardly believe this, but it says it's true. <laughs> get the music cue ready. Okay, that's a note for Dolan. Okay, Sir Mixalot. Oh no! Wrote. <sighs> Baby got back. No. About the Spudettes. No. Because of the commercial they were in, one of the girls had nice booty because they were in like tight. Sure. Like workout clothes. Oh, like yeah. 80s, like jazzercise stuff. Yep. He's like, dang. <laughs> Wrote the song. That. It's about the Spudettes. Yep. Baby got back. Um, and then sadly, Evil Eye. Honey Tree, Evil Eye, Evie, Spuds McKenzie, passed away at 10 years old mm. in 1993. Um, fittingly, probably, for a beer spokesman mm. of uh, liver and kidney failure. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-huh. So not sure if she drank a lot of beer, mm. but had some ailments that some folks do have. That and that was, the end the of the, that was the end of Spuds McKenzie. Until 2017. What? Super Bowl. 51. Guess what? The ghost of Spuds McKenzie came back in an ad. Was all ghost looking. Yeah. It was kind of like around the same time that maybe that other Ghostbusters movie came out. Oh, the, the girl uh-huh. one. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there's a guy that was there and uh, yeah, the ghost of Spuds. 
kind of came out almost looked like Frankenweenie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that was the same kind of dog huh. uh, with the spot. Yep. And he showed up in this in a Budweiser commercial in 2017. So that was the last appearance of Spuds. Was that when they did like kind of the remix and they went they they found they they got the was that guys mm-hmm. and, and whatever the, the frogs and, and all the that frogs yeah. and. Yeah. Was was that, that, you like that? That was actually pretty good, wasn't <laughs> that it? That was good. It was pretty good. <laughs> that was, I feel like you've done that a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, a few times. So, uh, yeah, Budweiser. There you go. My dad had, back in the day, mm-hmm. floppy hats. They were a thing. Yes. Man, everybody had a floppy hat. Yes. Well, he had a Budweiser one that had the frogs on it. <laughs> and he would wear that one every once in a while, the, the Budweiser frogs. Yep. And uh, that was one of his, you saw him out. With that on, it was going to be a good day. You could do that. There's a whole story behind that, too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that was kind of their next big advertising campaign after Spuds. It was kind of like viral before there was such a term as viral. Yes. I mean, there was t-shirts and mer- uh, yeah. All kinds of it. Yeah. All, yes. I mean, there was a lot of different directions to go. I thought about Clydesdale stuff and all that, but I, I wanted to go Spuds because I wasn't sure where you were going to be. That's that's a fun sort of juxtaposition to the actual, like to the the, the real history, mm-hmm. because that's that that's it. I mean, besides that, and then I mean, the advertising behind Budweiser from the '80s to now is genius. Mm-hmm. Like what they've done to maintain their market share has been awesome. Yeah, from a from someone who absolutely appreciates the marketing aspect of it and the relevancy to stay relevant through all of this as craft beer has exploded, then they they've done their work, right? And I'm sure they pay a lot of money for it, but at the same time, they are still very very relevant. I mean, Budweiser and Bud Light are are still absolutely relevant. I had a whole page worth of sponsorship, and that was it. They sponsor everything and anything. Oh, I bet. And it was, it was. I remember they have a NASCAR oh, for a long time. I remember it's every it's MLB, NHL. It's like it's the big five, right? Yeah. With soccer, hockey, football, baseball. It's it's huge and basketball. It's huge. They are they are the number one sponsor in every one of those, either through Budweiser, Bud Light, Bush, Bush Light, whatever. Like any of their brands, they are the number one sponsor in each one of those categories. Dang. To stay relevant, and why not? I wonder how they decide which brands of theirs to push, right? So it's like, this is the flagship, obviously. Right. Budweiser. Right. Now, this isn't a, not something I normally have, right? But mm-hmm. I'm aware of it. I've had it before. Yep. But they have so many other under their umbrella names and breweries, quote unquote, or whatever, product lines. Yep. It's like, I wonder how they allocate the funds and where do they decide where we need to pump it up, push it back. It would be interesting to just figure that out. Sales. I mean, they probably just look at the... Because the... they own what? Michelob, right? That's yep. one of theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Natural Light. Natural Light, yeah. So any of those mm-hmm. Natty Days. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Kona. them. They own, a, they own Kona Brewing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like... Goose I wonder Island? How, Do they own They, own they might. Yeah. They own a lot. So I wonder yeah. how they figure out their advertising, but that'd be interesting to know. I, I will guarantee it's 100% driven by research by market research they are as smart as as apple or amazon or like any of those big companies like nothing they do is by accident for sure nothing they do is a guess everything is driven by data for them and and that was honestly that was it was interesting for me i'm like okay but that's not something 
that's not something for us to talk about. I mean, that's yeah. that's if you're okay. So if we're doing strictly a, a marketing podcast about sure, yeah, or whatever, this is the data that you would want. Like this is what you'd want to understand. Or you you might want to know that 25 years after Spuds's death, he's still worth a million dollars. Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just that's it, it, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. But we all know it. We all know who Spuds McKenzie is. You say Spuds McKenzie, and the song plays in my head. Mm-hmm. It was so influential at that time, and it was everywhere. Yeah, who would who would be like a famous dog of today? Mm. I can only think of two. A, a famous dog. I well, mean, I mean, outside of Scooby Doo, yeah, right? Scooby Doo, sixty-nine, yeah. right? I don't even know. Like in my head, the Raising Cane's dog comes to mind, but that's mm. sure. I mean, that, he's not like. On TV or anything? But if you no. don't have a Raising Cane's, you wouldn't know. Right, exactly. I mean, he's mom famous. My mom would know Spuds McKenzie. Yeah. Mm. You yeah. know? Yeah. She ain't going to know the dog yeah. from Raising Cane's. Or there's the, the new dog that's sponsored by Wen- Wendy's. Uh, he's huge on TikTok. Oh. Uh, Pudgy. He's the Awa Awa dog. I don't know what that means. No, I don't know. He's gaining a lot of traction. Wow. Mm. Yeah. The highest paid dog on TikTok, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that is a sentence I never thought I'd hear. Yeah. No, not one bit. No. Two sections to my research. One, okay. we have to understand who Anheuser-Busch is now. Okay. Okay, before we get into where they came from. So, Anheuser-Busch is part of InBev, an American brewing company headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, with a stupid baseball team yeah. and other stupid stuff, right? Yes. Fantastic city, awesome baseball field, stupid baseball. Mm-hmm. Okay? InBev is a brewing company that resulted in a merger between Belgium-based in Interbrew and Brazilian brewer Ambev, which took place in 2004. So I remember when this went down. So, so it's Belgian and Brazil. And Brazilian. But it's headquartered in... Okay. Okay. <laughs> it got there. All right. And I'll get you there. Here's how we get there. It existed independently until the acquisition of Anheuser-Busch in 2008. So four years after they merge, they go by the giant, right? So they've got... Brazilian money, and they've got Belgian money, right? Dang. So, and then they've got enough, they buy Anheuser-Busch, right? It, hmm. But that forms Anheuser-Busch InBev. So they maintain the Anheuser-Busch name, they, and they maintain all of, all of that. Yeah. So it's almost as if, like, they needed, le- it's weird, they needed legitimacy, maybe, to create that brand, so they just assumed the Anheuser-Busch name. Okay. And so now they are synonymous with Budweiser. Well, you hear InBev more than you hear Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch, yeah. right. So now abbreviated AB InBev, InBev mm-hmm. and then abbreviated down to just InBev. So InBev has operations over 30 countries, sales in over 130 countries. So they've got distribution to 130 different countries. That's and crazy. Unbelievable how big they are. The original Anheuser-Busch InBev was formed through those three mergers of those three companies. And then since 2008, Anheuser-Busch has been a division of Anheuser-Busch InBev 
sa.nv which is all of it together okay right so every bit of it together which is the world's largest brewing company budweiser's available in 80 countries not always through the budweiser name though so but it's through the anheuser-busch trademark and mm-hmm. we'll get to that a little bit it's funny because there's we've talked about this there's a budweiser budvar that's available in austria and germany uh. that existed first that has that has like that that trademark or whatever. Oh, okay. So they produce their own Budweiser beer first, and so they maintain that over the giant. Like they maintain that name over the giant. It was so first. there, it's just called Bud. Bud, just Bud. <laughs> uh, Budweiser is a filtered beer made with up to thirty percent rice ad- added to the hops and barley mm-hmm. used to make it as a lager. So. Thirty percent rice in here, as of, as opposed to maybe other beers that we've had where there's no None, rice, yeah. right? Or in episodes like last week with where there was corn mm-hmm. involved. So how did it all start? Like where did it come from? Who was the founder? Right. That's that's always the story. And this is this is kind of where it 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 hit me like, oh man, like there's there's something from a history standpoint and it, like the. You could call Adolphus Bush like the father of American beer or whatever, but it all started with this guy named Eberhard Anheuser. Eberhard, E-B-E-R-H-A-R-D, Eberhard. Okay. But Eberhard Anheuser, uh, born September 27th, 1806, was a German-American soap and candle maker. So Hmm. he made a ton of money selling soaps and candles in St. Louis. Like, that was his thing. But... He liked beer, too. I mean, as you do. <laughs> right? So he also liked wine, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And the wine kind of has a weird sort of, it has a weird sort of vein through all of this, oh. which, is, which is fun. So Eberhard grew up in Kreuznach, K-R-E-U-Z-N-A-C-H, Kreuznach, where his parents operated a vineyard. in as 16- in Germany, right? In Germany, okay. yes. Okay. Ever since 1627, so his family owned a owned a vineyard from 1627 up until the point where he immigrated to the United States. Dang, Uh, almost 200 years. Yeah, Uh, he and two of his brothers moved to North America in 1842. Uh, He bought. He was the major creditor of the Bavarian Brewery Company, which was a struggling brewery founded in 1853 in St. Louis. Okay. Uh, when the company encountered financial difficulty in 1860, he purchased the minor creditor's interests and then took over the company. So that's Civil War, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Wow. Uh, Eberhard became the president and CEO and changed the name of the company to Eberhard Anheuser and Company. Uh, his daughter, Lily, married Adolphus Bush. It's a name you Here all show. Yep, right? Here we go. So this is where the Bush family is introduced to the to the business. A brewery supply salesman. So the dude is selling to this guy, (laughs) marries his daughter. Uh, In a double wedding with Anna Anheuser, Lily's older sister, and Ulrich Bush, Adolphus's brother. Oh, I'm sure it was just an accident that that happened. Totally. Yeah. Right? Uh, In 1861, despite the Civil War, the the brewery remained competitive because lager was not banned by the Union Army, but hard liquors were. Well, you get messed up on whiskey, but not Budweiser. Here's Hmm. the crazy fun part about this. Missouri and Kansas were introduced to the Union 
at the same time. Yep. Right? Kansas was the Union state. Missouri was the Confederate state. But they were selling lager to the Union army at the time. Hmm. Missouri. Missouri. Okay. Right? Uh, As Anheuser became older, Adolphus Bush took over. As, of course, you know, I mean, he just, he got in good with the family or whatever. And uh, he he took over most of the company's duties. In 1879, he renamed the company Anheuser-Busch. So he's like, you know what? Good idea. I'm I'm the man now, and he took over. And as I as I did research on this guy, it makes a whole lot of sense. So he served in the Union Army, even though he was in Missouri, and he served in the Union Army uh, to build Budweiser as a national brand. He created railside ice houses and launched the industry's first fleet of of refrigerated rail cars. In the 18... Wow. 60s, 70s? Yes, 1870s. Yes. That's forward thinking. Now, yeah. <laughs> here's the, this, is, this is awesome. He, did, he jokingly referred to his beer as Budweiser as Dot Schlop. He did not like it. <laughs> he preferred to drink wine. He was a wine drinker through and through. Huh. Did not like beer. Now like, this is for peasants. Give me the wine. <laughs> Meanwhile, drink as much of my beer as yes. please, please buy huh. more of it. Uh, he implemented implemented pasteurization in 1878 as a way to keep beer fresh. He was the first brewery to do to implement pasteurization, uh, and that enabled the company to ship it in their refrigerated rail cars all across the country. So wow. he had distribution in 1878 all across the country. That's crazy. Already. He was, and okay, so from a business standpoint, this is probably my most favorite part. He was a big believer in vertical integration. So if you understand business, vertical integration is buying every piece of that supply chain. So you own yeah. all, right? So you it, it cuts down on your cost. Mm-hmm. So he bought bottling factories. He bought ice making plants. He bought Timberland, coal mines, refrigeration companies. He bought railway railways. He bought a diesel company. He understood every part of that process, and he bought every part of that vertical to cut down on costs, hmm. to save them money. Wow. So did they ever get into any sort of like um, government problems with like uh, – Monopoly, oh, like a monopoly or whatever. Yeah. Mm, I don't know if we were quite to that point yet. Okay. Like if it really got to the you know with oil and everything yeah. else, or, or did they even care about well, that beer was at before that point? at that point? Back right. then, they did they, they even were kind care? of pro that stuff? Just money is money. A, a dude ahead of his time. He yeah. also this was the uh, the last bit of what he did. He bought hop farms up around Cooperstown, New York. Dang. I was going to ask all the way through from the hops. To the delivery was yeah. all fuel for the he owned it yeah wow right i mean he's just paying himself paying himself paying himself right? over and over yes so smart yeah amazingly smart dude if that guy doesn't run this company that we're probably not drinking this beer no right that's you know 150 years ago and he married in i mean <laughs> he yeah. married in. he married in good work I have a, I have a feeling he might have been finagling that marriage. <laughs> Look with the with the basic history here of all the rest of this. Hell yes, he worked that yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, he died in eighteen. I'm sorry. He died in 1913 from dropsy. 
You know what dropsy is? I think that's when you drop your beer. Mm. You're out about it. That is close. It's not dot schlop either. No. <laughs> uh, it, uh, known as edema, fluid retention. Oh, he too much wine of, in his body. Yeah, way, yeah. way too much. So, hmm. uh, almost thirty thousand people paid their respects at his funeral when he laid in state there in St. Louis. Notable guests include the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, the President of Harvard University, the President of the University of California. The procession consisted of 25 trucks that were needed to transport all the flower arrangements to the cemetery. <sighs> 25 on. trucks for just the <laughs> Dude, flowers. People love beer. Were they refrigerated? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Probably his own fleet. Right. So what's up with the California connection? I don't know. That was Harvard. weird. Maybe he's the, did he have a wine winery or yeah, vineyard out, out there? But what about Harvard? I mean, that's business I school, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't he's know. he's training people to come work for him. Uh, <laughs> hmm. uh, there was a 250-piece band that led the funeral procession. The procession spanned 20 miles long from wow. number one Bush Place to Belafonte Cemetery, where he was buried. Dude, some presidents don't get that. No! No! <laughs> no. Well, yeah, beer's more important anyway. <laughs> Uh, as many as 100,000 mourners lined the streets for the profession. Five minutes of silence were observed at the request of Mayor Henry Keel, and the lights were turned off at the Jefferson and Planters House hotels. Uh, Streetcars were also halted. I mean, you're lucky to get a minute of silence nowadays. Five yeah. minutes. Five Dang. minutes. Wow. Uh, Lily Anheuser, the wife of Adolphus Bush, uh, his her parents uh, built a mausoleum there at Belafonte Cemetery in St. Louis. She didn't think it was enough, so she had it torn down. Oh boy! And they built something way bigger. Uh, in 1921, it cost two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, <laughs> uh, equivalent to two point eight million dollars today. I was going to say that's dead million. huge. Wow! Uh, it featured grapevines representing yep. both Adolphus's birthplace in Germany and his favorite beverage. And then over the top of his grave were Julius Caesar's words, Veni, Vendi, Vici. Vici. I came, I saw, I conquered. Wow. Badass. Now it's a brewery. Badass. That one funeral alone like funded probably 50% of all the growing uh, yeah. f- yes. like dead body industry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> dug it up. Funeral so they industry. paid for it once, dug it up, yep. broke it down, and built another one. That's crazy. I- He's, I mean, just such a, we don't, and maybe it's because he's, maybe it's St. Louis. I don't know. Would have been different if he was in New York, Los Angeles, Chicago. Mm. I don't know. But just from a, from a giant in, in American history. Yeah. This dude is right up there. Wow. And. Yeah. Nobody knows about it. No. Interesting. No. Because what's more American than lager beer? Budweiser, man. I mean, it's just, Yeah. (laughs) It, it I mean, has hmm. all of this, like every time we do this, it changes my mind. Yeah. About, I bet you there's a biography about this guy. It'd probably be good to read. Oh, I'd be, I bet it's awesome. Hmm. They'd like probably I probably sell it at the, the store at the brewery. Oh, maybe. It was overwhelming the amount of history involved. I, when you do the tour, it's city blocks worth of Dang. buildings. Wow. And during Prohibition, like they go, there's a whole section about here's what we did during Prohibition. We made medicine and we made uh, pop and we made, you know, soda water. Sure. Didn't, I was going to say, didn't they do water? Yeah. Like, wasn't water? A lot of, yeah, some yep. breweries did that. Yeah. yeah. You walk by the school. So during the, like, after Prohibition, 
they had a school. So for all the employees, they had an elementary school where all the employees' kids went to school. Nice. And it's a huge place. Like, it's a I giant building. It's probably one of the, at least then, it was one of the big employers of the town, I bet. I wrote down other just interesting facts about Anheuser-Busch. Okay. Okay. Uh, 2008, Anheuser-Busch had a market share. So total Anheuser-Busch. 2008 had a market share of 50.9%. They owned over half the market in 2008. For beer? For all beer sold. Budweiser brands account for half of Anheuser-Busch's sales volume, but that figure has steadily been declining by 1.5% to 2% per year. Because of craft beer. Absolutely. But I I almost would think it would be more than that. I mean that's billions of dollars at fifty yes. percent, but yeah. Are they adding seltzers into that now? I, I would assume. They I would are assume now. they probably are. That's probably yeah. the biggest, huge. They probably back up. They yeah. probably gain market share. Yeah. In the last yes. two years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anheuser Busch employs over okay, so Imbev Anheuser Busch employs over thirty thousand people uh, worldwide. Operates twelve breweries in the United States. And until 12. December 2009 was one of the largest theme park operators in the United States. <laughs> what, Bush Gardens? Or? Bush Gardens, yeah. yeah. Oh. Obviously, Disney has gotten bigger than that now. I've never so. been to Bush Gardens, have you? Yeah, I have. Hmm. It's fun. It's very uh, animal-themed, hmm. oh. but a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, finally, in the European Union, excluding the Republic of Ireland, Sweden, Finland, and Spain, the American beer is marketed as Bud. It's just, just called it. Nice Bud. As the Budweiser trademark name is owned by the Czech beer maker Budweiser Budvar, which who we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some countries, Budvar and Anheuser-Busch are available under the Budweiser name. So they just op- they just say, whatever you use. Here you go. Mm-hmm. One and the same. So Interesting. That's... Wow. That is the abbreviated history of... Which got me super excited more so than I thought. To drink the beer, huh? Man. So what almost, do we think of this beer? It almost tastes better now <laughs> that I you know, understand the history. If I'm going to drink a domestic beer, which doesn't happen very often, but if I'm mm-hmm. going to, let, back in the day, I was at a wedding or mm-hmm. baseball game or something maybe, I'm going with this one. Usually if it's there, I'll have this. Yeah. I am i don't know. I I think I go more, a little foreshadowing here. I think I'd go more Coors Banquet. Mm. But oh. as, there's a lot more sweetness. There. As much as I, mm-hmm. uh, I'm having a hard time finishing this one, to be honest. <laughs> wow. But I can crush Bush Lights all day, yeah. you know? Ooh. So Different kind of beer. Bush though. Light gives me headaches. <laughs> I can't have that one. I love it. I mean, on the boat, it's the perfect beer. Here's a fun segue for you. And I wrote down on here, look at Brian's check-ins for Untapped. Oh, okay. So we're going to look at Brian's check-ins on oh, Untapped boy. before we do the actual Untapped. If I checked in to Budweiser, I guarantee you it was like at an event or a location or something. Every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so first one, August 7th, 2018, Werner Park. Okay. Yep, that was a... You know what? I know exactly when that was. I was working here, Yep. and I had... Been, it was super hot that day, and I took the day off, and I went hmm. to the Storm Chasers game, and I sat right behind home plate, and hmm. I had a tall boy, 24-ounce can. I can see the on-deck circle in Is there your a picture? picture. You're yep. holding up the tall uh-huh. boy, and I can see somebody <laughs> I can see somebody in the on-deck circle. <laughs> see? Uh, 3.75. Here we yep. go. 
another one. It's called from a place called One More Bar. Yep, must that's have been Lincoln. a concert, yeah. maybe pre-concert. Yeah, mm. pre-gamed. 2018, he gave it a three two five. Yep. Uh, let's see. Keep going back. Horizon level is September seventeenth, two thousand seventeen. You gave it a five. Horizon level. Horizon level. Hmm. No idea. No idea. Here's this is my this this is my favorite one out of all of them. Uh oh. Because I can see you're wearing your KC gear. That's at Wrigley. That's at Wrigley Field. That's at Wrigley. And you gave it a five. And yep. your comment is Wrigley Field. Yep. <laughs> it was cold. That was thirty four <laughs> degrees that day. <laughs> that game. That's the only time I've ever been to Wrigley. Yeah. And it was Royals versus Cubs. Oh. And Jorge Soler for the Cubs. For the Cubs. Hit a walk-off homer in like the 11th yep. inning. It was 3-2. to two. My brother was at that same game. Really? And he said it was miserable. Oh, it sucked. It was so cold. Oh. <laughs> My hands were numb. Mm-hmm. All I had was that Royals little like, light weather jacket. It wasn't supposed to be that yeah. cold, and it was. A couple oh, Budweiser's to keep you warm, oh. I guess. It was more than a couple. <laughs> and then finally, 2012, July 15th, 2012. Ooh. You checked it in at Hidden Valley Golf Course. Golf Course. Yeah, mm. that's a yeah. hot, sloppy mess. At a 4.25. So Sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so then just general untapped. Oh. 411,000 check-ins. I don't... Is that the... That's got to be the most? most? Yeah. There's no, there's no other beer that I don't would be more know. than that. I don't know. Um, we'll find out next week, but I, I, we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to go, I don't know, 3, 3. 3.3 for you? Mm. Yeah. I'm going to say 3.48. 2.58. 2. 2.5? Wow. Yeah. For Budweiser? I, yep. I mean, I get no. it, though, I because I feel like the people that I know that drink only Budweiser, they don't know what Untapped is. It's not the market. True. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not. It's kind of an old person's beer. Yeah. At least everybody, when I was growing up, it was the older people that were drinking yeah. it. Yeah. Jenny's uncle. It's my wife's uncle, right? Yeah, I mean, my that's uncle. His beer. Yeah. Well, and it's like my old roommate that I that I mentioned earlier, the reason he drank it is because his dad and his uncle and his grandpa and, yeah. you know, they all drank it. The history to it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's just family after family after family. That's mm-hmm. the beer that you drank. Well, I mean, you could do worse, right? right. I mean, it's it's drinkable, unless you're Dolan, yeah. but it is drinkable. I'll finish his. <laughs> I will say, I have to go back on what I said. I think the first, you know, lager or beer that i would go for is pbr and then and then maybe bud lime mm. and then probably Coors banquet mm-hmm. budweiser's okay. probably it's not on my list of, not on the list no here's the i show up at random neighbor's house helping a dude move mm-hmm. whatever hey you want a beer sure you hand me this i'm not gonna be disappointed yeah if you get the standard moving contract of beer and pizza Yep. This is the beer. <laughs> okay. Drink it. Yeah. Whatever. I won't not drink it. That's yeah. I, I mean right. I don't think there's a yep. beer I haven't finished. Yeah, me too. Mm. And I've had some spoiled beers. <laughs> I've had infected beers. I've mm. had yeah. The twenty fifteen yeah. Bourbon County. Yes. Had one of those the other day, my last bottle. There's definitely beers where I'm glad I've just had a taster of it. Mm. Maybe yeah. like the yeah. um when there's this is super foreshadowing, but we had a mm. smoky beer. Oh, yeah. 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 You'll hear about that in probably three or four weeks. <sighs> there's there's one coming up in a couple weeks. In fact, the last episode of Mainstream May, I am not a fan of. I, I don't think it's good. I would mm-hmm. not. I probably will not finish it. 
Oh. But, mm. but it is as mainstream as you can get. Interesting. Out there. So All right. what it's going to be. So there you go. All right, fellas. We're not going anywhere for a while. Let's have another mainstream beer. Thank you for listening to A Beer with Atlas. Special thanks to our brand team for producing the show. Each episode of A Beer with Atlas is powered by Atlas Medstaff, an industry leader in travel healthcare staffing.